If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 124 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but those Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on December 12th, 2021. Today's day, what, 11 of the lockout now? Yeah, 11. Since Thursday, so day 11. Wow. It's going by so slow. (laughs) The winter meetings were supposed to be this past week. Of course, they were canceled because of the lockout, and things are still dead silent, obviously, since nothing can happen. I mean, you have the winter leagues going on, and the Yanks have guys like Hicks and Duhar, Albert Abreu, Luis Medina, and others taking part in it, which is cool. Few guys usually do that each offseason. And the Rule 5 minor league draft happened too, for those who are into that. The Yanks picked up right-handed pitcher Steven Jennings from Pittsburgh in high A ball, and right-handed pitcher Manny Ramirez from Houston's low A roster. Not to be confused with the Manny Ramirez we all know, obviously. (laughs) And they also re-signed Rob Brantley to a minor league deal for catching depth down in AAA. He was basically the Yankees' third string catcher in 2021, if you remember. And... I saw some people ask how this could happen during the lockout since nothing's supposed to be happening. So just to clear up any confusion, it was a minor league deal, not on the 40-man or 25-man rosters, and the minors aren't a part of MLB or the MLB Players Association. So a minor league signing for depth down in AAA, for instance, like this one, at least for now, can happen. So just clearing that up for those who are confused about that. But outside of that, guys... Like I said, just as dead silent as we all expected. And I hate it. Very, very much. (laughs) But, oh, by the way, just letting you know, gonna acknowledge the elephant in the room here. You regulars may have already noticed, but my voice sounds like crap. (laughs) Some of you may disagree if you can't really tell a difference, but I know when my voice sounds like crap. It's a bit raspy, it's lower, it's nasally, what have you. I'm just letting you know that I am under the weather. I feel like crap today, so I just wanted to address that in case you guys have already asked yourself, what the hell's wrong with Mike, and why does he sound like he's half dead? (laughs) But anyways, guys, that's why I sound like that. I'm just, I'm feeling like crap today. But since nothing besides those two minor things, pun intended, happened this past week, we're going to jump right to our social media segment for this week, since there really wasn't any news in Yankee land besides those two other things. Like I said, there was no news at all because of the lockout. And for this week, I'm doing something that I haven't done in months now, I think. It's definitely been months. I decided, as you can tell from today's title, that I'd do a Q&A with you. And it's always fun when we do that. So definitely a shorter episode today, most likely, especially because I feel like crap. I just want to go rest. But Still ought to be fun as always. I'll answer as many Yankee questions as I can from you beautiful people out there. Probably going to answer around 10 on Twitter and then a couple on Instagram. And we'll have ourselves a nice, fun, shorter, but 
awesome episode nonetheless. Q&A themed episode, nice, quick, and to the point. But first off, though, before we go to the social media segment, before we start our Q&A on Twitter and Instagram, just a quick reminder to follow Ball9's website, ball9.com, and follow them on all social medias at Ball9. And obviously, guys, be sure to also follow yours truly on all social medias. Follow my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. Twitter is at Mike Scudero. And Instagram is Mike Scuds 97. And please also don't forget to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four of the platforms it's available on, my friends. That's YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Leave a like below on YouTube if you're listening on there and leave a review on all the others. Just show your love like you do such a great job at doing every single week, my friends. But without further ado, let's head right into our Q&A for today with this Q&A-themed Yapping Yankees lockout episode. Because whether there be nothing at all going on in the baseball world, or if I'm under the weather, or both, like today, I'm still here giving you your content. So let's get going with that content. What do you say? And I expect to hear a lot of questions like, oh, when do you think the lockout's going to (laughs) end? Just a lot of lockout questions. First up here on Twitter, we've got Rob at Laker477. And Rob says, Mike, do you think the Yankees will make a big signing or trade when the lockout ends? And if so, what player or players do you see being involved? Well, I'm going to go with the main two that I've thought would happen right after the lockout for a while now. And I'm going to go with their two biggest priorities being shortstop and first base. Many of you know that I want them to either get Carlos Correa or Trevor Story. That goes without saying. Either one will be fine with me. I think both of them are unbelievably talented. But if you remember my shortstop episode many, many weeks ago, then you know who my preference is, truly. I prefer Carlos Correa on the Yankees, despite all the history and everything. But regardless of all that stuff, (laughs) I don't want to get into all that again. But back to your question. With the moves that I expect them to make right after the lockout ends, definitely shortstop should be one of them. I'm not saying that'll be the first because there are a lot of different things they could do, but that should definitely be one of the first that they do. And the next should definitely be for first base, which we've spoken plenty about this as well. We've spoken about the possibility of bringing Anthony Rizzo back for the right price. We spoke about the possibility of trading for Matt Olson, which I would love. And also, of course, which I would love because he is a top first baseman in the game, of course. Also, the remote possibility. I say remote because I don't really see it likely of him leaving Atlanta. Like I've said, I just really don't see it happening. But some people have even thrown around the idea of Freddie Freeman. Now, just like shortstop with Carlos Correa or Trevor Story, I would... I would be fine with either one, although I have my preference with that. I do have my preference with first base too, but don't get me wrong. I would be fine with any of those three, being Rizzo, Olsen, or Freeman. But if I had to choose, you put a gun to my head, then I'm going to say Olsen because of the lefty power, the incredible defense, which Freeman has both of those. But the one outlying thing that Olsen has over both Rizzo and Freeman even though Freeman is showing no signs of decline whatsoever, even at age 32, but Olsen does have age on his side. I hate to be sort of ageist, but it's the truth. He's younger than both the other options in Rizzo and Freeman, so Olsen is a really enticing option. Those are the first two things that I would really like to see the Yankees do right out of the lockout. I want them to go for the shortstop. I want them to go for first base. Those are the two biggest priorities, in my opinion, and I definitely want to see those happen right after the lockout ends. I want to see no time wasted. And then, of course, there are also the rumors that you may have heard from this past week that the Yankees, before the lockout, were aggressively pursuing the Japanese outfielder Seiya Suzuki. 
Now, if he came to the Yankees, he'd probably play left field, if I had to say, because they keep on saying he's primarily a right fielder, but I just don't see the Yankees moving Aaron Judge to center field or even to left field on a permanent level. So I really think that he would probably play left field, and then you probably try to transition Joey Gallo to center if he's to stick around, which I assume he will. But then, of course, there's no room for Aaron Hicks, but... Honestly, you guys know that I'm really not that big a fan of Aaron Hicks anyway. I know some people have said he looks decent in the Dominican League so far, and that's fine. But I don't really know. I've lost a lot of faith in Aaron Hicks. His ability to stay healthy, his defense, not a fan of his offense despite being a switch hitter. I've spoken about all of it already. But, yeah, these are some of the moves that we could see the Yankees make right out of the jump. I mean, if they were this aggressive towards Seiya Suzuki in Japan, I mean, there's always the risk about how... These guys' playing skills will translate coming over to Major League Baseball from Japan or South Korea or where have you. But because of the rumors that they were aggressively pursuing him, I mean, on top of going after a shortstop and a first baseman, which are definitely, if you ask me, the two biggest positions of need for the Yankees, they definitely could end up going after, say, a Suzuki. So those are some moves that I think that could happen right after the lockout, Rob. That's just my opinion. Next, we have Spencer at Musician DMD, and Spencer says, This is the fourth MLB stoppage I've had to endure. 1981, 1994, and 1985, which isn't well-remembered because it only lasted two days and was remedied with league-wide doubleheaders. I've remarked that I fear this lockout will last a prolonged period. Spring training, April, May, the contentiousness of the 2020 negotiations are what fuel my fears. Some reputable people on Twitter say I shouldn't worry, but it gives little assurance. What duration do you project the lockout to last, and what makes you feel that way? Well, that was actually what I mentioned last week, that that could be the main thing that makes a lot of people afraid that this could last a really long time. How things went when they were trying to figure out a way to play amidst the pandemic last year. And it was very public. It was very ugly. The negotiations, air quotes around negotiations, (laughs) more like battles between the owners and the Players Association, it was ugly. It was a mess. It was a public mess. It was a PR disaster. It was everything. It was awful. And when people look back on that, and they look at today during the lockout when nothing can happen now, which is not good for the sport, I mean, if you had to pick a time for it to happen, then this is a good time during the offseason when there's no baseball being played. But... No lockout is good for any sport. No work stoppage is good for any sport. But everything that happened last year definitely doesn't do anything or shouldn't do anything to ease anyone's nerves for sure. I just find it hard to believe that they let it interfere with any 2022 baseball. So I say they get it done before spring training is supposed to happen. But I don't think they get it done until like some point maybe in late January at least. I see it going for a little while longer. Now, there really aren't any reports out there as of the last week or week and a half or so about what's going on in the negotiations, and that's either a good thing, like they're getting things done and it's just not public, or it's a really bad thing that truly just nothing is happening and negotiations are going nowhere. We don't know what that means, and that makes a lot of people uneasy, including myself a little bit. We just don't know what's going on. I mean, I would rather it be totally silent than have it be the ugly media disaster that it was last year when they were trying to figure out how to play amidst the pandemic with the shortened season. But 
I guess that's my thoughts on it. I mean, yeah, you've had to see a lot more work stoppages. Uh, this is the first one I've witnessed because, of course, the last one was 94, 95, and that was a couple of years before I was even born. So, obviously, the ones before that, like 72, 81, 85, also, I didn't see any of those. So, this is my first work stoppage that I'm witnessing, and it sucks. <laughs> I hate when there's nothing that could happen, even if it's in the off season. I just hate when nothing can happen, whether it be actual moves itself, or even discussion of moves. Like, even when Brian Cashman spoke to the media, they asked him about how aggressively they pursued Seiya Suzuki. And he basically had to dodge the question, because that kind of discussion just isn't even allowed right now. It's crazy. It sucks. <laughs> it's actually the worst. So, yeah, obviously for the sport's sake, I hope it doesn't go on for too much longer, and... If it's to interfere with any baseball next year, that would be a catastrophe for the sport. A catastrophe. That's the main thing you want to avoid. Even if this lasts decently, like into the month of January, like I just said before, like I predict maybe at least until the middle or the end of January. I mean, as long as it doesn't interfere with baseball. If it ends in January, then fine. But the main priority is that it doesn't affect baseball next year. And I do think that despite the contentious relations between the two sides, the owners and the Players Association, that they do get something done before any baseball is set to be played. I can't imagine they actually want this to interfere with any actual baseball being played next year, so I'm going to remain confident and say that they figure something out before baseball is supposed to start next year, but I do think we're in this thing for a little while longer, at least another month or so, at least. Rebecca at Peace Now for Life asks, After the lockout, do you think the Yankees will add a starting pitcher? If so, who do you realistically see them adding? Well, now this is an interesting question because I'm yet to get around to the starting pitching conversation because it's mainly my last big position of discussion that I haven't hit on yet majorly on this show this offseason yet. I've hit on basically everything else. As far as shortstop, first base, center field, even catcher, I've gone around. And I've hit on some other aspects of the team, too, depending on some people's social media comments. But I haven't really gone too in on starting pitching yet. But if you look at the board, a lot of the starting pitchers that were being discussed were really signed before the lockout happened. You got Kevin Gossman off the board. You got Robbie Ray off the board. And whether you think that these guys or others got overpaid or not, that's another story. I'm just saying they're off the board right now. So the discussion now as to who they could add for a starting pitcher after the lockout differs from what it would have been weeks and weeks ago before the lockout. But you got Gossman, you got Ray, you got Scherzer, you got Verlander, you got plenty of others off the board now. And the main one that everybody seems to talk about is Carlos Rodon of the White Sox. Now, the one thing about him is that there is some injury risk involved with the shoulder, which is why some teams may be only willing to commit to him for one year. But he also is a Scott Boris guy, so he might not settle for one year. So we'll have to see what happens with him. But he could be an interesting, hard-throwing lefty that the Yankees could add to the rotation, if they could agree on a contract, of course. But he is coming off of a great comeback season after really being forgotten in baseball the last few years. But he's coming off of a great comeback season, but he does have those shoulder problems, like I said. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that because teams might not be willing to commit long-term, but Scott Boris, his agent, everybody knows who Scott Boris is, the infamous Scott Boris, said that he's not going to be signing a one-year deal. So I look forward to seeing what happens with him and if the Yankees are at any point in on him after the lockout's over. 
But Rodon seems to be the main guy because you look at a lot of the other names, like I said, Gossman, Robbie Ray, and you got Max Scherzer, you got Stroman. Other guys have come off the board, like Eduardo Rodriguez, John Gray, Stephen Matz is even off the board, Alex Wood. I mean, the, the list can go on and on. So I'd say one guy, if there is a possibility of it happening after the lockout for starting pitcher, given everybody that's come off the board already, I'd say it could be Carlos Rodon. I mean, we'll see. We'll see what they do and if they could come to agreeable terms with him if they're interested in him. And now that I see him, there is another name here that I definitely think could be interesting for some people if some would be interested in it. Would any of you be interested in a reunion with Michael Pineda? That could be another name. He's still a free agent right now. Pitched in 22 games last year in 2021 to a 362 ERA. And obviously going on 33 in January and having had injury problems in the past, he's not the Michael Pineda we remember in 2014, for instance, when he pitched to a 189 ERA with the Yankees in 13 starts. But if you ask me, not only because he's getting a bit older and he's had injury troubles and he's not the Michael Pineda he used to be, but also all that pine tar mess at Fenway Park. I don't know how many of you remember that, but I don't know. I'm just not really interested in a reunion with him. Sort of have a bad taste in my mouth with him still going back that many years. As silly as that might sound, but I still do. But as far as starting pitching, those are really, I don't know, just a couple of names I'm throwing out there. There might be others out there that I'm missing. My head's kind of in a fog right now for obvious reasons. But yeah, Carlos Rodon, that's really the main one that I could see maybe the Yankees at least reaching out to. I mean, we'll see what happens after the lockout's over. Laura underscore Icemont. Laura asks, since the Yankees also need to address first base, who do you want to play there and why? Well, I sort of addressed this before, but I'll say it again. Um, I would love Anthony Rizzo. I would love Freddie Freeman. I would love Matt Olson. Any of those three are terrific, but especially because of age and upside and years of control, And just pure talent at this point of his career. Lefty, power hitter, terrific defense. I mean, I I just have to go with Matt Olsen over the other two. I mean, it's it's tough. Because, I mean, if you offer Freddie Freeman up to me on a silver platter, I'm going to be like, oh, get Freddie Freeman. Or if Anthony Rizzo's at a reasonable price, despite people thinking for some reason that he's old at 32 or 33 years old, and that he's declining tremendously like some people have claimed, which I don't agree with. I acknowledge that he wasn't quite what he was years ago, but... I don't think he's declined so much to the point where he would be bad. But if it's for a good price, I'd gladly take Anthony Rizzo back. But of all of them, I mean, for all the reasons I've mentioned, even going back to the first base episode where I just spoke about first base, and even what I said before, I think I've made my thoughts more than clear that Olsen's my guy, and I would want him on the Yankees if the Yankees end up trading for him. I would be thrilled with that. Absolutely thrilled. My good friend James at RebirthChaos09 says... I've been high on Correa, so my question is, when this lockout ends, how much would you give Correa, and also what should the Yankees do to address first base, center field, and the catcher situation? Well, with Correa, especially last week when we were talking about the money that Seager got, I mean, I think we all know that Correa's probably going to get more than Seager. Whether the Yankees are willing or going to be willing to spend that kind of money after the lockout's over, that remains to be seen, regardless of... Some people believing that they're not going to be willing to, which would aggravate me because they are the Yankees who reset the luxury tax last year for the express purpose of going nuts and having the opportunity, when you need a shortstop this winter, of having the best shortstop class we have seen in years. And then you imagine, can you imagine not getting one of them? (laughs) 
So I've I've already gone on a bunch of rants about this. I don't need I don't need to do it again, especially with feeling the way that I am. But yeah, so I mean, I would give I would give Correa. I mean, you'd probably be forced to give him more money than Seager if you were to get him. But I would be that into getting him, so I would give it to him. I mean, if it would be like ten years, three forty, I don't know, something like that, three thirty. I really don't know. I don't know what the official contract would be. And a lot of people have said, oh, they might be willing to go after Trevor Story more if he's willing to take less years for more money on average per year, more AAV. But, I mean, it remains to be seen. It's just speculation at this point all around. But, I mean, I've made it clear that I want Correa too, James, so I hear you. But it's complicated because he's going to want a lot of money. He's going to want stupid money. And more than Seager, I'm telling you. If it's not more than Seager, I mean, that'll be the shock of a lifetime for me. And as for the other positions, I mean, I've said it for first base. I would love Matt Olson. That's my ideal pick. I would be totally fine with Freeman or Rizzo, too, for the right prices. Especially Freeman. I mean, Freddie Freeman is Freddie Freeman. Of those three, I mean, the top contenders have to be Matt Olson and Freeman. But, I mean, Matt Olson's my guy. I, I just think he's such an attractive option. And for center field, I mean, I've said it before. I mean, Kevin Kiermeyer's out there. A lot of discussion's been thrown out there about the Rays wanting to give him away. Of course, he is a stellar defender. Not as strong with the bat, but, I mean, especially with the glove. I mean, the Yankees have been firsthand witness to his unbelievable defense in center field. I mean, how many hits has he robbed from people over the years? (laughs) Can we even count? (laughs) Probably not. But you'd have to trade for Kiermaier, by the way. And for center field, I mean, especially with Seiya Suzuki coming in on the discussion now, with the Yankees apparently aggressively pursuing him before the lockout, that's another potential option to maybe put him in left field, and then you transition either Judge or Gallo to center. I think it's more likely to have Gallo. I just don't see the Yankees moving Judge to center permanently. I just think that right field is his position. But like I've also gone on to say, especially when I discussed center field in depth, that if they don't do any of these options or maybe even more that someone else might have out there in their minds, then I think it's very, very safe to say that whether we like it or not, and I don't really like this, that it's a safe bet that we will see Aaron Hicks as the Yankees starting center fielder in 2022, which there are better options out there. We've spoken about this, or there have been, whether it be people who are off the board right now or not. Um, But I think it's a very safe bet that Aaron Hicks is the starting center fielder, as much as I don't like that. Not a fan of his defense the last couple of years. When he has played, which hasn't been very often at all. Not a fan of his bat. Doesn't play very much. He's always hurt. I've spoken about this, but I think it's a safe bet with that. And I also think it's a safe bet at this point, especially after guys like Jacob Stallings and others came off the board for catcher, and after they tendered Gary Sanchez a contract, that I think it's safe to say that we're at least going to see Gary be the starting catcher to start the year, at least in 2022. And I still feel that way. So... That's what I feel will happen. I mean, I've said my preferences. I would have really liked for the Yankees to pick up a Stallings for catcher. Uh, it would be awesome if they pick up a Seiya Suzuki to rearrange the outfield like that, if it'll help. And uh, for first base and for shortstop, I've made my intentions on those very clear as well. So I hope that answers your question, James. It was a loaded question. <laughs> At Saw John 12300 says, do you think if the Mets sign Showalter as manager, it puts that much more pressure on Cashman to make significant moves? Cashman's worst nightmare is Buck shining as manager and Boone failing again. I don't really know if Cashman's too concerned about what happens cross town. 
I don't really think we've seen any indication that that really concerns him all that much. So I don't really think that that's his worst nightmare by any means, <laughs> nor should it really be. I mean, if you're going to ask me which managerial candidate I like better, I'm going to pick Buck Showalter over Aaron Boone personally. But I don't really think that the Mets signing Buck Showalter to be their manager really should dictate the Yankees making any of their moves that need to be made. I think that they should make those moves regardless of what the Mets do because they're moves that need to be made in order to be successful next year, in my opinion. They shouldn't go out there and sign Correa or trade for Olsen or get Seiya Suzuki or add a starting pitcher just because the Mets signed Buck Showalter to be their manager. <laughs> they should do that because of their desire to improve the team. <laughs> That's why they should do it. So I don't really see the correlation in your comment, but I guess those are my thoughts on that. <laughs> At Sean 9966-0764 says, Would Tanaka return? Well, now you see, a lot of people were talking about that, and I was going to include Tanaka in the discussion, actually, and I probably should have mentioned this earlier, but I'm actually glad I saved it for this so I didn't already answer this question. But Tanaka actually already recently, especially amidst the lockout because he didn't really have any other choice because nothing can happen in Major League Baseball right now, but he actually opted back in with Japan. He had an opt-out option after the first year of the two-year contract he signed last offseason with the Golden Eagles in Japan, and... Now, especially amidst the lockout, he chose to return to Japan for another season. So, Tanaka is not coming back, at least not this offseason. I mean, a reunion in the future, it's been spoken about this winter before the lockout came around. It could continue to be spoken about in the future, but as of right now, for this winter, I hate to break it to you Tanaka fans, but he ain't coming back. At least not for right now, not for this winter. Alright, let's do maybe like... Three or four more. Up next, we have at SportsD247-33772. And they say, if Correa or Story don't come, and also no Olsen or Manaya, and only small moves are made, will the 2022 Yankees make an ALCS? Why an ALCS? That's, that's random. <laughs> but no, I mean, there's really no reason to believe that they will. I mean, without any of those names for 2021, despite all the crap that happened throughout the season, of course, but... I mean, they couldn't make they couldn't make it past the wild card this past year. So what makes you think without those necessary moves being made that they could make it to the ALCS? <laughs> so no, my 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 answer to that question is definitely no. They won't make the ALCS. I think these are vital moves that needs to that need to be made, especially either Correa or Story and Olsen for shortstop and first. And Manaya, actually, that's that is a starting pitcher that I forgot. I knew I was forgetting somebody. <laughs> But they would have to acquire him via trade through Oakland like they would for Matt Olson. But Manaya would definitely be a great addition to the rotation as well. So, and I would love if the Yankees could somehow pair them together and get them both in a big trade. But that would that would require even more pieces moving over than it would for just Olson, which would garner many pieces in himself, let alone if Manaya was thrown in, because Manaya is a solid starting option. But also, as they do every couple of years, I feel like Oakland is sort of doing a fire sale. So, or at least that's what's been claimed, so we'll see what they end up doing after the lockout, and if they might be even willing to take a bit less in a trade with the Yankees, which, I mean, we also know that no teams usually tend to do the Yankees any favors in trades, but you never know. You never know. Circumstances are as different as they've ever been, especially with this lockout, so we'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, if they only make small moves, will they make the ALCS? No, I don't really have any reason to believe that they would. Next up here on Twitter, we've got at Andrew Caruso 77 and Andrew asks, 
What's your reaction to the results of the Hall's Veterans Committee vote with last Sunday? And do you think Bonds, Clemens, Schilling, A-Rod, and or Ortiz will join them? Yeah, I, I thought they were pretty good choices for the Hall's Veterans Committee. And I was especially happy to see that Buck O'Neill was finally voted in. I mean, it's a shame that it had to happen so many years after he passed away. He deserved the honor so many years ago. But I was especially happy to see that happen at all for him and his family and everybody in his circle. It's just a well-deserved honor that should have been done a long time ago. I mean... Better late than never, but it should have happened a long time ago. But I was especially happy to see that with Buck O'Neill. I also thought Hodges was way overdue. Gil Hodges, that's definitely a worthy honor. Very happy to see Cott, Oliva, and the rest as well. Definitely Minoso too. I mean, they were all overdue. All of them. And when it comes to Bonds, Clemens, Schilling, A-Rod, and Ortiz, basically anybody who took steroids or failed a drug test or who, whatever it may be, I mean... I think it's a possibility that Bonds gets in, and if Bonds does get in, or any of the steroid guys get in for that matter, then, I mean, at that point, then what reason do you have to keep the rest of them out of there? If you're going to let Bonds in, or you're going to let A-Rod in, or you're going to let Ortiz in, what reason do you have to keep the others out of the Hall of Fame? You got to let them all in at that point. But the voters have problems of their own, because, I mean, we've seen for many, many years now these members of the BBWAA who have the privilege to vote for the Hall of Fame, I mean, turning in these empty ballots or not using all their votes, it's its a disgrace. So, I mean, I, I find that to be a bigger issue than the steroid guys. I mean, I know the steroid guys is a really hot topic and it'll be even hotter if, if Barry Bonds misses on his last ballot and whatnot with the other guys too if they miss out again. But I think it's a much bigger problem that you have as many voters as you do just proudly Proudly flaunting it on social media, too. So many of them just not using all their votes or turning in an empty ballot. When there are so many people out there, whether it be casual fans or maybe other writers who don't have the privilege to vote. I mean, you have so many people out there who would love to vote. And you have so many voters out there who just don't take advantage of their voting privilege. And I've, and I've spoken about how much that infuriates me on this show before, and it still does. It still really does. I think that's a bigger problem with the Hall of Fame than anything. I've said that many, many times. But as far as my thoughts on the Hall's Veterans Committee vote, I mean, especially with Buck O'Neill, yeah, that's my reaction to that. I'm glad to finally see that happen. And I think of the steroid guys, like I said, if any of them are going to get in, I, I, I guess I see Bonds. But after only receiving 61.8% of the vote last year, and this is his final appearance this year on the ballot. I, I don't even see that happening. So I guess the answer to that is no right now to any of the steroid guys. But whether A-Rod or any of the rest of them get in in the future, I mean, that's, that's up to everybody's opinion. I don't see it happening at least for a very long time. Do I see it happening at some point? Yeah, maybe at some point. But definitely not this year with Bonds or anybody. I'd be shocked if it happened with any of them this year. And oh, speaking of Hall of Fame voting habits that tick me off, by the way, how about the guys who choose to vote for one steroid guy and then choose not to vote for a steroid guy who had better numbers than the one they voted for? <laughs> like, you're going to vote for A-Rod maybe, but then you don't vote for Barry Bonds. What sense does that make? <laughs> I mean, I'm just being honest. I mean, it's just the voting habits in the Hall of Fame are so bizarre amongst the voters and they need to be... They need to be corrected, like, immediately, because it's a real problem. It really is. Every time I think about the Hall of Fame, I get upset. Let's just move on to the next question. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's do one or two more. Let's see who else. We have at Burrow Dweller 73 
And they say, which change do you think they should make at Yankee Stadium? Doing away with the whistle when an opposing player strikes out, or playing it when a Yankee strikes out as well? Well, I definitely wouldn't play it when a Yankee strikes out. I mean, then you're just, you're kind of trolling your own team then. I mean, it really doesn't make sense to do that in the home stadium. (laughs) But, no, I think it's just some fun sort of trolling that most ballparks, if not all of them, have for whenever the opposing team strikes out. And... I don't know, I, I think the whistle, the PC Richard and Son whistle at Yankee Stadium is perfectly harmless, I, I don't know. I don't really, I haven't really heard through the years of any players being offended by it. I don't really know how you could be offended by a whistle. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just healthy, fun trolling to have that sort of a thing in the ballpark for whenever the opposing players strike out. I mean, I don't personally care about other ballparks having that same sort of thing when the Yankees go there, for instance, like when they go to Fenway Park. Even Fenway has that weird-sounding sound effect for whenever an opposing player strikes out. I don't really mind that. I think it's fun, healthy trolling. I don't know. That's just me personally. But I don't think they should make any changes like that. I think it's fine as it is, personally. Alright, let's do one more here on Twitter, and then I'll do, I don't know, maybe like a few over on Instagram, and then we'll wrap up for today. Let's finish off with at I am a Yanks fan here on Twitter. Pretty straightforward Twitter handle. <laughs> and they ask... Who are some free agents you think the Yanks should sign? Well, the main one, like I've said, is Carlos Correa or Trevor Story. For shortstop, that's the main thing. For first base, it depends who you want, but if the Yankees end up going after Rizzo or Freeman, then that'll be a free agent signing or free agent signings. But if you want Olsen, then that'll be via trade. And for center field, I mean, if they end up rearranging the outfield... After acquiring, say, a Suzuki, then that's another potential free agent. But yeah, those are the main ones that I've mentioned. Or for starting pitching, like I mentioned before, you got Carlos Rodon, too, out there. So like I mentioned, there have been a few, but I guess that answers that question. But I want to thank each and every one of you who left a question over on Twitter. There were plenty that I didn't get to, as usual, and I apologize for that, as always. But your interactions, as always, are appreciated to the ends of the earth. Love you guys so much. Thank you. You know that. But let's head on over to Instagram and read some questions out over there. Let's see what some Instagrammers had as far as Yankees or baseball questions for me in this question and answer for this week's episode. First up here on Instagram, we've got at official 52011. And they ask, when the lockout ends, do you think the Yankees will make a move? If yes, how many moves will they make? Uh, they better make a move. <laughs> They better make a move. That's my answer to that. And how many? I mean, it better be for a shortstop first. If they end up acquiring, say, a Suzuki, then that's great. But they had better make moves. I would say that they better make at least maybe four, three or four moves at the very least, bare minimum. They have to. But they sure as hell better make moves, that's for sure. (laughs) I think we all feel that way. All right, you know what? Let's just finish up with... These final two, the usual final two on Instagram. First up being my girlfriend, Vic Salimo. And then we'll put a bow on this episode for today. But Vic's question is, Before the lockout, we were talking about how the Yankees were looking into Suzuki. If the Yanks were to get him, where would you place him, and how do you think he would benefit us? Well, yeah, his name started to circle around around the time of the lockout, you're right. But especially in this past week, it really started to be known how much teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox were really massively pursuing him prior to the lockout. 
Now, if the Yankees were to get him, I mean, I already said, I think most likely he'll play left. It would be obviously the easiest to just place him in center field, but I see him more as a corner outfielder, and you're not going to move Aaron Judge permanently from right field. As I've said, I'd be shocked if the Yankees do that, but so with that being said, I'd put him in left field, and then if Gallo comes back, which I expect him to, then I guess groom him to be your center fielder. And then I guess you have Aaron Hicks as your fourth outfielder, I suppose, if he's to stay healthy. But as far as how he would benefit the Yankees, I mean, he would massively benefit them. I mean, not only is he pretty good defensively out in the outfield, he does have some infield experience, but I would primarily expect him to play the outfield. You're probably almost never, if ever at all, going to see him play the infield with the Yankees. But you're mainly going to see him in the outfield. And especially at the plate, I mean, again, like I said before, when it comes to every player coming over from Japan, China, Korea, no matter where it is, you've got to be a little skeptical about how their numbers will translate from their home countries to Major League Baseball. And especially offensively the last few years, a great many of the players who have come overseas have struggled to really find any sort of offensive rhythm in the majors, so... That makes some people skeptical about paying these guys these contracts sometimes, even if it is only for a few years, maybe for like $10 million a year like Suzuki would probably be, somewhere around that. But I mean, he's coming off of a terrific season in Japan. I mean, he just hit 317, 38 home runs, 88 RBIs. He has a lot of power. And for those who like players who don't strike out a lot, well, <laughs> this guy's probably your guy because in 439 at-bats last year, he only struck out 89 times. So he doesn't strike out a lot. And even his on-base percentage last year, listen to this, 433, a 636 slugging adding up to an OPS of over 1,000, 1,069. Not to mention, he's only 27 years old. And although these guys are never guarantees, as I've said, I think he would be a really cool addition to the team. And the expected number I've heard floated around for his money is maybe somewhere around like five-ish years, somewhere in like the 50 to $60 million range. And if that could work out, I mean, maybe you give it a shot. Because I think that could actually work out pretty good for the outfield. I think it's worth the risk when looking for better options than Aaron Hicks, which I think there were better options out there, whether it be guys who have since come off the board like Chris Taylor, like I've said, or maybe even a Starling Marte. And I think guys who could still be out there, like Suzuki, for instance, coming from Japan, even though it is a risk because you don't know how it's going to translate from Japan to Major League Baseball, I think it could be a risk worth investing in. But yeah, I'm glad a few people mentioned him in this Q&A because he was a big point of discussion throughout the baseball community this past week when it came out that the Yankees and Red Sox and others were really aggressively pursuing him before the lockout. And I wanted to talk about him this week, even though there wasn't really a main subject matter to discuss because... There was nothing that happened this past week because of the lockout, but I'm glad that in the Q&A, people brought him up so I could talk about him a bit because, I mean, this kid looks promising. You never know how it's going to translate, but he looks promising, and he may be worth investing in, so that's how I think he would benefit the Yankees. I think they would stick him in left field, like I said. I mean, how they choose to rearrange the outfield, that's still a mystery. I've said what I think they'll do. I could be wrong. We'll see if they even do get him, but if his skills do translate well to the major leagues, then... Given his numbers in Japan, this kid's going to be fun to watch. And lastly for today, as always, last but certainly not least, is my amazing mother, Julia Gina Scudero. And my mom says, So is there a normal wait time for how long this lockout in baseball could go on? Why do these things exist? It feels like baseball ended a year ago. 
It makes it worse knowing that nothing is going on or can happen. I hope that this ends soon. No, there really is no standard time. It's until they agree on a new collective bargaining agreement. That's, that's all it is. They have to agree on a bunch of different things. Service time, luxury tax threshold, if they want to change the playoff format or bring in the universal DH or change anything else having to do with the sport itself. I've even heard some people talk about them thinking about rearranging the divisions and going back to just two divisions in each league. There's just a bunch of crap that they have to decide on. It's just so much. And given the contentious relationships like we've spoken so much about, and especially for those who remember them last year when it was very public and very ugly, then you know that this could take a while. So Mom, I, like you, hope that it doesn't last much longer at all. We hope, we all hope it doesn't. And the main priority is that it doesn't affect 2022 baseball. That's the main thing. But yeah, this lockout certainly does make time drag even more. It definitely does. It feels like baseball's been gone for an eternity. Yet it's only been gone for, I don't know, five or six weeks. Probably the better part of six weeks. So yeah, it's, it stinks. It really, really stinks, but I too hope that it comes to an end soon, and I could definitely understand why it could be scary for people who either weren't alive like me since the last work stoppage, or just weren't even baseball fans at the time of the last one, because you haven't really experienced anything like this before in your time as a fan, like I haven't. Like I said, the last one that took place in 94, I wasn't even alive yet. So this is just as uncomfortable for me as it is for anyone else who hasn't experienced a baseball work stoppage of some kind through the years as of yet. And it sucks. It really does. I hate it. I hate it, hate it, hate it. <laughs> but you know what I absolutely love? All of you. For your interactions with this week's Q&A. Your questions were awesome. We got to hit on a lot of things. I had a really good time despite feeling like crap today. I really want to thank you all for lifting my spirits. Because you honestly did. I love talking Yankees. No matter how bad I'm feeling or what's going on, Talking about the Yankees, talking with you, it always makes me feel better. So I just want to thank each and every one of you for your interactions, whether I got to you or not. And if I didn't get to you, you know the deal. Just keep on replying every single week, whether it be a Q&A, a poll, an open-ended question. doesn't matter, guys. Just keep on interacting every week, and eventually, I'm going to get to you. But your interactions, whether I get to you or not, never go unnoticed. And I truly do appreciate them more than anything. But as for today's episode, guys, episode 124, that is all for episode 124 today. And like I said, despite it being a shorter episode, I hope that you still enjoyed, and I hope my answers to your questions were to your liking. But before I bid you farewell for this Sunday, just please remember, guys, to follow me on all social medias. Facebook fan page is at Mike Scudero NY. Twitter is at Mike Scudero. And Instagram is is at MikeScuds97. And please remember also to subscribe to Yapping Yankees on all four platforms it's available on, and that's YouTube, Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Leave a like below if you're listening on YouTube, and leave a review if you're listening on any of the other three. And if you had the time, my friends, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you might have missed. Episodes 34 up to episode 124 today are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple, and Spotify. Once again, thank you 3000 for listening to me yap today, my friends. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday 
December 19th, when I come at you with episode 125 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, guys, hang in there, be patient, please stay safe, look out for your loved ones, and thank you so, so much for spending your time today with me here on this second Lockout Yapping Yankees episode. And thank you for bearing with me, even though I'm not feeling at my best. I really do appreciate it. But enjoy your week, my friends. Take care. Take care.